Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 64 of the Sco Show. I'm Mark Schofield, back in the big chair for today, Thursday, December 9th, 2020. And we roll on, turning the page as we have been doing this week. Today, we're going to do a couple different things. We're going to talk about the divisional round games because, newsflash, there's going to be no Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind this week. Why? The Patriots season is over. So we're going to take a step back from that. Deserve a break, I think. Maybe. So we're going to talk about the division round games. We're going to talk some defensive free agents that I'm sort of keeping an eye on. Mostly up front. We'll have a couple of names in the defensive backfield at the end of the show. So that's what we're going to do today. But before we do anything, your usual cavalcade of reminders. Please do a follow along with the hijinks at Mark Schofield on Twitter. Mark.Schofield at InsideThePylon.com if you want to get a and be a part of the Scotia Slack channel. You can also follow the work places like Inside the Pylon, Pro Football Weekly, Matt Waldman's Rookie Scouting Portfolio. And yes, not one, not two, but three, count them, three SB Nation websites, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, and right here at Pat's Pulpit. Now, I, I said we were going to talk division round games and we were going to talk defensive free agents, but I think we have to start with, well, Brady Watch 2020. Yeah, a little, little breaking news music there. This is a professional podcast. But, yeah, I guess we got some news on the Brady front in a sense. Tom Brady taken to the gram, the Instagram, the IG to post a photo and a long little comment thanking the Patriots fans, talking about how after a few days of reflection, he's so grateful and humbled by the unconditional support you've shown me the past two decades. He mentions that he has been blessed to find a career he loves, families, teammates who go to battle with him, and an organization that believes in me and fans who have been behind us every step of the way. He closes it out. In both life and football, failure is inevitable. You don't always win. You can, however, learn from that failure, pick yourself up with great enthusiasm, and place yourself in the arena again. And that's right where you will find me because I know I still have more to prove. And a joy was heard all over the land as Patriots fans on Thursday morning, on Wednesday morning, excuse me, 
believed. All right, he's coming back. He's coming back. Dave Portnell over at Ball, over at Barstool, he had posted that that video. Leonardo DiCaprio. It's it's a well memed scene from The Wolf of Wall Street. But he had you know obviously it had been edited with Brady, Belichick, Edelman, everybody in there. He's not leaving. Maybe it's true. A lot of Patriots fans seeing that from Brady, believing that, look, you know, he's coming back, right? He's coming back. He's coming back. And that was probably the way that most people read it. And if you read it in the most possible, most positive light, I think that is the case. At least it looks that way, right? He's coming back. He still has something to prove. Talks about an organization that believes in him. It's that I still have something to prove that I think there's two ways to read that. One way is, this is Tom Brady being Tom Brady, right? And Ross Tucker, former player, now a member of the media, broadcaster, podcaster, he pointed out that Tom Brady thinking he has something to prove is why Tom Brady is Tom Brady, right? He's always picked 199. He's always the guy that was drafted in the sixth round. He said it last year, and I've talked about it a lot on this show and elsewhere, he still feels like every single day, day in and day out, he needs to prove that he is the best quarterback for the New England Patriots. And that's what makes him great. And if you read it sort of in that vein, and with everything we've seen with him, it just goes to show you, just would follow from that, that, yeah, he just feels like he has something to prove with this organization and just wants to prove that he can still play this position at an extremely high level. If you want to get, I don't think... No, I don't think conspiracy theorist is the right way. But if you want to like try to read too much into it, you can do that and think the thing that he has to prove is that he can win without Bill Belichick. And I'm sure that some may spin it that way. But I think reading this and from judging by the DMs I got from people across the country and even across the world, people believe he's coming back to New England. You know, maybe there's a bit of a negotiate employee. Uh, a, a bit of a, you got to do right by me in this. But I do think that, look, he, it looks like he's coming back or he wants to find his way back. Somebody put that out saying that perhaps it was a bit of a power play um, for the organization to sort of start the negotiating process. Because let's face it, now you've got the fans that have had his back saying, all right, he's coming back. Let's go. Let's get it done. So that might push some pressure on the organization. But that... Is this installment, today's installment of Brady Watch 2020. Now let's talk divisional round games. And if you listened to Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind last weekend, you heard me make predictions and you heard me get them mostly wrong. But we're going to try it again. We'll start with the games on Saturday. Divisional round weekend, arguably the best weekend of the football season. You know, because then you get the, the conference championship games. You know, you just get the two. I, I love the two and two. I, I think it's fantastic. And it kicks off 4.30, Minnesota at San Francisco. It's on an NBC. You get Alan Chris. You can get the slide in from Collinsworth. Now, as I did last week in Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind, I'm going to have a matchup I'm watching. I'm going to have a number or two that I think might define this game. And then a prediction. Matchup I'm walking, watching the offensive coordinator for Minnesota. Versus the defensive coordinator for San Francisco. Why? Both of these guys are rumored for head coaching gigs. 
You know, both of them probably want to make a move. So you get Kevin Stefanski for Minnesota, Robert Saleh for San Francisco. I want to see the matchup, how that plays out, that Minnesota offense versus the San Francisco defense, which is extremely good. And part of the reason why that Minnesota offense is good, and I may have even mentioned this last week, 129.2. That is Kirk Cousins' NFL passer rating using play action. Cousins slunted all over the place against New Orleans. He wasn't a, he wasn't a, a baker. He was a bit of a chef. Had the best throw of wildcard weekend, I think. I highlighted that on my usual appearance on Sportsnet 650 out in Vancouver on Wednesday night. But that's something to keep in mind. So that Vikings offense versus that San Francisco defense using play action on that Minnesota side of the football. But I think San Francisco wins this game. They've had the bye. Minnesota coming off an emotional win, a tough, hard-fought win, You know, going to overtime the way they did against New Orleans. Now you've got to go out to the West Coast. I think Kyle Shanahan's a couple we- had a couple weeks now to prepare for that Minnesota defense, and they'll find a way to get it done. Then we get Saturday night one. I think people are going to be fascinated to watch Tennessee at Baltimore. At CBS, you get Ian Eagle and Dan Fouts on the call. So I'm not saying you're probably going to be with people with friends at Saturday night anyway, so you might have the game on low or maybe even on mute as people are talking. So I get it. I get it. Now, Number I'm the matchup I'm watching there, first of all, Lamar versus himself. I know that sounds a little bit weird, but Lamar coming off a fantastic season, MVP type candidacy, you know, Pro Bowls, all pros, all that stuff. He had a bad playoff game last year. Bad game against the Chargers. So I want to see how he responds to that. How he responds to sort of this first playoff game of this season. Does he sort of play what we've seen him do? Does he play to that standard this year or not? So that's the matchup. Lamar versus himself. The numbers that I think are interesting to watch in this game, 973 and 864. You get two ball carriers in this game, one of whom leads the league in yardage after contact, one of whom is either first or second, depending on whose charting you go by, in yardage before contact. The person who's near the top in yardage before contact, that's Lamar Jackson with 864 rushing yards before contact. But Derrick Henry, 973 after contact, which by and large leads the league. That is tremendous. To get almost 1,000 yards after contact. And, you know, think about it this way. 973 yards after contact for Derrick Henry this season, that's more than half of his yardage on the year. You know, 1,540 yards on the season, almost a 1,000 of them after contact. But in the end, though, I do think Baltimore wins this game. Similar to San Francisco, you know, I think they've had two weeks to get ready for this one. Tennessee coming off a hard-fought game on the road at New England, I think it will be fascinating stylistically to watch this game. Two teams that like to run the football, do it a couple of different ways. Very curious to see Lamar, but in the end, I think Baltimore wins it. Now we get the Sunday games. It kicks off 3.30, Houston at Kansas City. That's a CBS game with Nance and Romo on the mics. Matchup, as with pretty much every single Kansas City Chiefs game. How is this Houston secondary going to cover this, the weapons that Kansas City has, the Patrick Mahomes has at his disposal. Also consider this. When we talk to numbers, 
2052. What's that? That's the yardage after the catch that the Houston defense has allowed this season. That is fifth most in the National Football League. To pair with that, 2057, that's the Chiefs receivers yardage after the catch, which is third most in the league. Can Houston tackle or not? If Kansas City's racking up yak, forget it. This game's over. I think this game's going to be over anyway. Houston sort of, I don't want to say they got lucky, but they won a game in overtime, which was sort of back and forth. They fought their way back into it. Emotional victory. Now they got to go on the road to Kansas City. I think Kansas City wins this game. Which brings us to the last game of the weekend. Seattle at Green Bay. It's a 6.30 kick on Fox. Buck Aikman, Aaron Andrews on the sideline. The matchup I'm watching, Green Bay's defense against Russell Wilson. We know what Russell Wilson can do. He's a magician. Here's what's interesting about this game. The number I'm watching is 7.5%. Why? That's the hurry percentage put together by Green Bay's defense this year. There's pressure in the quarterback and quarterback on 7.5% of dropbacks. That is third lowest in the league. Now, in some games, you might think that's not good. That's not how you win games. Against Russell Wilson, it might be. Because if you pressure him, you just play into what he does best. You force him into scramble drill mode. He starts running around back there. I think the fact that maybe they don't pressure as much, that might almost help them. So that's a number I'm watching. And you might think that it would help Green Bay, but I'm going in a different direction. This is the one upset I'm picking. I'm going with Seattle in this one. I haven't, not really buying in on Green Bay just yet. I'm still kind of on the fence with them. And so I'm going to go with Seattle in this one. So those are my three, those are my four picks. I just got one basically right last week. So let's just say if, if you're filling out a bracket or if you're headed over to the Bet Online AG or my bookie AG or anything like that, maybe consult some other opinions before. Don't just rely on me. That's all I'm saying. Up next, defensive free agents. We're going to talk about some defensive free agents that I'm going to be watching. Maybe might be intriguing to Bill Belichick and company. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just here talking into a microphone. Is this thing even on? We'll find out in a few minutes on episode 64 of The Sco Show. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys! It's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Mark Sofield back with you now on episode 64 of the SCO Show. And let's turn the defensive side of the ball. Some of the free agents that I'll be sort of keeping an eye on. Again, it's not going to be an all-inclusive list, but... 
and, and perusing and doing some research and doing some film studies, some some guys that jumped out at me. Now, I do think a lot of this is going to be dependent on, you know, Devin McCourty, whether he comes back or not, Kyle Van Noy, Jamie Collins, Danny Shelton. They've got some decisions to make. Adam Butler, Keontae Davis. I think until we get a full picture of how they're going to handle those guys, it's really hard to identify where their true needs will be. So I'm going to have some names at all three levels of the defense for you here in a second. We'll start in the secondary, actually. I don't think they've got depth at corner. They've addressed corner. So I really don't think they're going to dip into the free agent mark when it comes to the cornerback spot. But they might do it at the safety spot. You know, a position to sort of keep in mind might be strong safety. You know, you look at guys like maybe a Jeff Heath. You know, obviously he's 29. You know, that Dallas might bring him back. They might not. He's a name to keep in mind. Anthony Levine, he's 33. In Baltimore, played a bit player for them. They might nibble around the edges of the strong safety spot. Devin McCourty, whether he comes back or not, might influence that as well. Because you know, then you might have to sort of get into the, what are you going to do with the free safety spot? Maybe you've used to Ron Harmon more in that role. You know, if McCourty doesn't come back. But I do believe they'll find a way to bring McCourty back. There are some other interesting, strong safeties out there. Vaughn Bell is a name to really keep in mind. Although, he's at a sub-million dollar deal with New Orleans. So I'd imagine they're going to find a way to bring him back. But if they don't, he'd be a player I'd love to see. He's just 25. That would be a very intriguing name. Kamal Ishmael for Atlanta at 43 tackles this year. You know, he's 29, so he's a little older, but, you know, maybe there's a, a name you could bring in. So I do think that those are some of the safety to, to keep in mind. If something goes a little haywire and they really want to look at some free safeties, you know, a Rodney McLeod from the Eagles, that's a free safety that's out there. Jimmy Ward. From San Francisco, he would be a nice little fit, I think, from studying him. Haha, Clinton Dix is going to be available. I think Chicago does bring him back, but if not, he's had his ups and downs to be sure. I think he's probably better more as a, a cover two safety than a, a free safety. We know how much cover one and single high the Patriots run, but it, it could potentially work. Let's move to the defensive line and up front. I've got. Four names, and again, a lot of it depends on Danny Shelton, Adam Butler. Shelton might get a big deal. You know, he played really well down the stretch. But I do think they need to make some additions here. If you look at an edge type, a guy that can play edge but can also kick inside, Isaac Rochelle from the Chargers. He had some injury problems and a concussion and some other injuries this season, so he didn't really produce much. But in studying him over the past year and a half or so, because again, he was kind of limited this year, I really like him. I think he's a very interesting player. I think he is sort of more pass rush than, say, you know, a run stuffer inside. We'll get to those types in a minute. But he's an interesting guy. He might be more of a situational pass rusher right now more than anything else. But he's somebody I would call around on you know, he just had, I think, 12 tackles this year, maybe one sack, one pressure. Again, limited, but he's only 25. Now, he is a restricted free agent, so there might be a tender issue 
Chargers would probably tender him. But that's a name to keep in mind. You get more to the interior. Ashawn Robinson from Detroit. That's a name to keep in mind. I think Robinson probably hasn't lived up to some of the hype that surrounded him coming out. You know, 40 tackles this year. Not a bad year coming out of Alabama, a second-round pick. Production-wise, statistically, you know, one of his better seasons, 40 tackles, 32 solo, one and a half sacks. But maybe Detroit decides, look, you know, we're not going to go too far down the road here with him. We're not blown away. Maybe he's not living up to the second-round deal. He'd be a player that I'd be very intrigued by more of a pure defensive tackle type. Then you got two guys that are defensive tackle slash nose tackle types. Sheldon Day, who's a rotational guy for San Francisco. He's an intriguing player. They've got a lot of numbers in San Francisco. And so you're probably thinking, you know, he might be redundant, shall we say. But he started two games for the Niners this year. He's had six sacks over his four seasons in the NFL, 15 tackles of the year. 10 of them solo, you know, big type player. I think that he's somebody that could probably help, especially if a guy like Danny Shelton is gone. You know, adding him in the interior would certainly help. You know, when when you're talking about Day here, you're talking about a guy, you know, listed at six, just a hair over six feet, 293. Bounced around a little bit, started with Jacksonville. You know, he's a name that I'd keep in mind. And then Andrew Billings from Cincinnati. Look, he's a two-down nose tackle, you know, interior guy. It, it was imagine that with Domita Pecco moving on, that he was going to be the long-term guy for Cincinnati in the interior. And, you know, maybe in a sense he has been, but how much is Cincinnati really going to pay sort of a, a two-down guy in this league, right? A nose tackle. That's kind of what he is. Are they really going to, you know, give him a big deal or a bigger deal? But that's the type of player that Bill Belichick tends to still value. They do so much bare front and tight front where you still rely on that nose tackle, even on, you know, third down situations. Sometimes this year they had their amoeba front. It was Adam Butler who would just line up a nose tackle and they had a bunch of linebackers and even a strong safety down on the box around that. And so... Belichick will play nose tackle types on all three downs. And so Andrew Billings from Cincinnati is a name I'm going to be keenly watching as free agency gets rolling. Let's talk some second-level stuff, some linebackers. Again, it all stems from Van Noy and Collins. What do they do? I'd imagine both, one if not both players, probably get a lot of, a, a lot of attention during free agency. Van Noy listed as an inside linebacker, Collins as an outside linebacker, but... They're so interchangeable, so I'm just going to have a lot of names out here. Corey Littleton for the Rams. He's listed as an inside linebacker, a player that I think that if they need to address the linebacker spot, they should be intrigued by, they should look into. You know, and the thing with Littleton, you know, he's 26, 134 tackles this year, sideline-to-sideline type player. The Rams would probably be crazy to let him go. He's a huge part of their defense. But if he does get out, hop all over him. A lesser-known player, Patrick Awansor from Baltimore. He's 28, 65 tackles this year. 
Had three sacks, six quarterback hits, one forced fumble. Not the sideline-to-sideline type that Littleton is, but he can move around a little bit, can run with some tight ends, gets a little nosy when it comes to play action, but I think you know he's a solid player in the inter- interior. Ask a Browns fan about Joe Schobert. You might get two different opinions during the same conversation. I tend to like him. Some Browns fans don't like him at all. You know, he's sort of a polarizing player. But he had 133 tackles this year in the heart of that Browns defense. He's more athletic than I think he gets credit for. He actually does a pretty good job in pass coverage as evidenced by the four interceptions. But if the Browns let him walk, I think he's a player Belichick would love. Absolutely love. On the outside... Outside linebackers, it's a bit of a mixed bag. There's old friend Cassius Marsh. You want to bring him back? Uh, Nick Vigil with the Bengals is an intriguing option. While I sort of wasn't a huge fan of him, studied him pre-Bengals game this year, pre that, you know, Patriots-Bengals game, he played a little bit better in that game than I thought he was going to. You know, he's more of a strong side linebacker, thumper type, Sam type, but... He's an interesting name to watch. And then Carl Nassib uh, from Tampa Bay. You know, the production never really quite there from him. So maybe he finds a way to sort of make his way out of Tampa Bay. You know, he's more more of an edge type. He can also sort of kick inside. He's got some versatility to him. And so I think, you know, maybe... He would be a guy that I think the Patriots would like. I think Belichick would like. Really long player, 6'7". Got some length to him. Third round pick out of Penn State. Just a name to also keep in mind. But those are some of the defensive players that I'll at least start free agency looking at. As free agency gets rolling, we'll probably have some names as well. But that will do it for the show. That will do it for this week. Enjoy the games this weekend. Should be a fun weekend. Like I said, Probably the best weekend of the year when it comes to the football schedule. I will be back Monday. What are we going to do Monday? Well, this is what we're doing. We're doing our Shrine Game Preview, our Shrine Game Watch List, because Shrine Week kicks off next week. And so I'm going to put together some names that maybe we should sort of keep in mind. Maybe you might want to, as the Shrine Week gets going, People start talking on Twitter and elsewhere about the players, who's practicing, who's looking good in practice. You can sort of keep in mind. I mean, you get some interesting names, even at the quarterback spot. You know, Tommy Stevens from Mississippi State's an intriguing quarterback. James Morgan from Florida International. I know a lot of people kind of like him. And then on the West squad, that's just the East roster. On the West roster, for example, at the quarterback spot, Tyler Huntley, Mason Fine, Kelly Bryant. Those are three really interesting quarterbacks. Bryant was a big-time player at Clemson before he transferred. Huntley, one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the Pac-12, if not all of college football this year, behind Joe Burrow. So it's an it's an interesting group. Obviously, last year's Shrine game had Brett Rippon. I'm getting a little choked up. A little choked up. So Monday will be a Shrine game preview. Then we'll have... On Wednesday's show, we're going to do a Senior Bowl non-quarterback preview. And then on the 20th, Senior Bowl week kicks off. So that's going to do it for today. That's the roadmap ahead. Until next time, friends, please keep on blessing that Patriots reign down in Foxborough.